Welcome to By Association. I'm Marisa Janaku. And I'm Emma Hooper. And this week we're going to talk about the Supreme Court's overturning Roe v. Wade and the moves companies and states are making to uphold it. Brands during Men's Fashion Week trying to claim the limelight and not focusing as much on the fashion. Microsoft, Epic Games, Meta, and 33 other companies and organizations have formed a standards group for metaverse tech. And rumors are starting on what the next Apple products will be. We'll share what we think will be released and what we want to be released. So, Emma, how was your week? Good. Yeah, it's been a really nice one. It's been, uh, I've got back into exercise and seen some family. My little nephew came to visit, which was really lovely. Tiny little baby. Makes me a bit um, maternal and, and definitely on that side of things. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been lovely and I've definitely planned some trips. So I've got a lot of good things to look forward to. Um, Going to go to London, uh, go to Ireland, see some friends and some stuff with my immediate family back in Somerset. So, yeah, looking forward to the future. Lots of planning this week. And, uh, Lots of planning yeah. this week. Oh, perfect, perfect, <laughs> perfect. No, I was focused on my oldest daughter's birthday on Sunday. You know, oh, everything, how old is she? Well, her birthday's in August, but because it's in August and her school closes, we do it a few weeks before. So her birthday's on the uh, 4th of August. So we did it on Sunday for her friends and yeah, you notice how old they're getting, you know, uh, uh, glow in the dark golf. She's turning nine. Uh, oh, sitting on any the bench, TikToks? TikToks, you know, no? Um, no, 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 no. We do not allow that. We do not allow <laughs> that. So, yeah, no. Well, we do. I mean, she watches TikTok, but, you know, only at home under supervision. But, uh, no, it was really nice. You know, it was really nice. It was, we, we took the tram from our house all the way to the beach and then also, you know, hung out at the beach and stuff. So it's different than way back in the past and she was a little bit smaller and it was a bit more controlled. This is like, you know, older kids all, I don't know. I, I don't even know what they talk about half the time, you know. <laughs> so it's a, it, was, it was a fun weekend, fun weekend and a, and a great week ahead as well. Uh, also next week heading off to London. We keep on talking about that opening. Can't wait to share how it was and uh, hopefully yeah. in, 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 in future episodes. But yeah. But uh, I think it's good for us to start with uh, possibly the most important news of last week. Uh, Roe v. Wade. Uh, so the Supreme Court in a 5-4 decision last Friday overturned Roe v. Wade, the landmark ruling that established the constitutional right to abortion. Roe, since 1973, had permitted abortions during the first two trimesters of pregnancy in the United States. Almost half the states are expected to outlaw or severely restrict abortion as a result of the Supreme Court's decision on a Mississippi case known as Dodd's versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. So we've also seen companies like Starbucks and Dick's supporting their employees through financial aid and some states making clear they will support abortion for anyone who seeks help. We saw mm. this coming. There was, of course, a few weeks prior, it leaked the document that most likely was going to go this way. Everyone was hoping that that wasn't the case. And unfortunately, it has happened. Um, yeah, we keep on talking about the US on gun law and, uh, and 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 the whole issue in Texas uh, around um, around you know the LGBTQ trans community or you know so the, um, the 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 drag queens you know last week or week before that and now this is coming out of the states is it a surprise anymore? Yeah, this is the thing. I think when we first initially spoke about this together, I said, "Gosh, like we just keep saying all these damning, awful things about the U.S." But I think it just keeps being served to us um and it's it's a country that has such a lot of impact to the rest of the world um so i was looking it up last night as well in a little bit more depth and supreme court law influences other countries as well so this isn't just a u.s situation you know this is a whole world influence based on these new um yeah new new rules and regulations it's it's horrendous, actually. What's what's happening? Yeah, it's yeah. It's, you know, you kind of think like, what can we discuss about it than just you know out our frustrations and our and our disbelief of this? Um, I think you know a little bit of light to come out of this is you know seeing how many companies have um, have you know uh, uh, talked about covering travel expenses for their employees for abortion. I mean, I have a list in front of me and it's a huge list. Um, you know, Accenture, Adobe, Airbnb, Bank of America, Box, BuzzFeed, Civitech, Condé Nast, Dix, Disney, DoorDash, uh, Douglas Elman, 
uh, Expedia, Google, H&M, Impossible Foods, Intuit, no idea who they are, Johnson Johnson, JP Morgan, Levi Strauss, Lyft, uh, Match Group, Meta, Microsoft, Netflix, Nike, Nordstrom, OpenSea, Patagonia, PayPal, uh, uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, Reddit, Salesforce, Starbucks, Tesla, Uber, Vox Media, Warner Brothers, Wells Fargo, Yelp, Zillow, and um, to add to that list for sure is Citizen. We'll be doing the same thing. Um, mm, good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. So you know, it's great to see a lot of these companies stepping up and yeah, you know, uh, doing something about it. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's all positive. we can talk about is yeah the positive side of it and 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 really about. I just. You know, and I'm afraid about what's going to come because also you're hearing murmurs and, and also the, um, uh, I need to see which Supreme Court justice it was, uh, that also said like, oh, now we can look into gay marriage uh, uh, or, or, yeah, or same-sex marriage. Sake. You know, we can look into um, a contraception. So I'm afraid that, you know, is the U.S. going to go down back to, you know, being a medieval <laughs> pre pre-medieval, pre-industrial age, uh, 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 yeah, uh, country yeah. in this way. I'm seeing a lot of stuff on social media. And of course, that's, um, I'm not talking about news outlets here. I'm talking about with journalists. I'm talking more about um, opinion-based stuff. But there's a lot of people saying a lot of different things. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's like statistically, the most likely person to have an abortion is someone who's already with children you know so a lot of people would often think that it's you know teenagers who um are kind of irresponsible not thinking about things and then it's seen as some sort of restriction on on life and yeah like a kind of a, a strange extreme way of stopping that um but yeah it's actually it's actually women who have already have children you know and and then naturally that brings on a lot more knock-on effects into poverty and yeah I, like you said I, I there's so many negative things we can say about this it's quite hard to find anything other than those companies that build in a positive but um yeah it's it's a very sad state of affairs for the world in this in this like I suppose in this um in this story and in this way yeah, one of the yeah, things yeah. that I have seen on social is a lot of people talking about how um, you know, a lot of the protests where people are partying and really happy about this result, um, how it's led a lot from religion, you know. And I know that um, something that we, we put out a statement on Citizen M and we got all really, really great positive feedback back. We just had the report yesterday. But then there was only one response that came back on Twitter to our statement, which basically said we support and we're going to be a part of those companies. Um, who will allow for aid and, and encourage and help women um, against this. Um, and that, that comment said uh, something along the lines of, I think your company should reassess its relationship with God, which mm. um, it kind of backed the, the stuff that I was seeing on social media around this being a relationship with God and religion. And um, that's kind of the, the push and pull from where this comes from it was just quite an interesting well, text that I hadn't necessarily thought no, about it's, it's, extremely it, it, before it is like that but that's you know a decision in a company and and, and senior 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 stakeholders and, and and senior chiefs within a company to stand for something i think you know i'm grateful to be able to work for a company that dares to come out and support something like this um you know i think that that is the thing is you know a lot of companies who have not um, how do you say, come out with support. I think it's not that they don't support, they're juggling with what do we do, right? Do we, um, by doing this, we're going to, you know, basically, uh, out, um, you know, we're basically going to say no to 50% of our customers who possibly are Republicans and religion, religious, right? And, and when you as a company start asking that question, um, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do because I do believe you should mm. stand up for a company. You know, you go back to the uh, Colin uh, Kaepernick um, 
totally different issue. It's more about race and, and slavery. When he kneeled down, you know, for the national anthem, Nike stood behind him. And what happened was a lot of people, uh, you know, stopped, said they stopped buying Nike shoes and, and burning their Nikes and so on. But, you know, that was something Nike said, well, then you aren't really part of the people we want to be owning our shoes if you don't believe in this. And I think that that's what a company needs to ask itself is, do we, are we going to stand for just basic rights? Because this is a basic right. Yeah. And therefore, you know, some of our customers might not be happy with it, um, which is fine. Uh, uh, but we stand for basic rights. And, you know, and, and, and if you don't feel the same, then there are probably a bunch of other companies that are willing to accept you and accept your money, which is perfectly fine. But we will stand for the basic rights of human rights not even women's rights, but human rights on all fronts. And that's where, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, where I'm happy with Citizen M, with our diversity and inclusion committee. And you look at other companies that also do the same. So that's great. Yeah, it's quite necessary, really, when something like this happens to um, yeah, take a stand. And I, th I think we've definitely seen a lot more of a push from this with brands recently over lots of the different movements that have happened. And um it's relatively inspiring, really. That's something, something that we'd naturally think of as like, you know, a newspaper has the biggest reach or um, a famous person or a celebrity should have a shout out. It's, it's quite interesting when a brand takes that stance as well and doesn't necessarily think of just the commercial element of um, their selling and that side of their business, but the sentiment and um, their community as well and the people that they're selling to. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's, it's a that's another positive right that's a that's definitely a yeah. movement yeah yeah exactly hmm. we could go on and on about this emma and i think we made clear what our stance is on this and uh yeah i think uh let's be vigilant and make sure that uh you know we ensure other rights don't get taken away from individuals and hopefully this will come back and this right to an abortion will come back for every woman or anybody seeking abortion uh, will come back in the United States and and, and be supported by their employee, 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 uh, em, employer, and also the the states. But we'll see where it goes. So, shall we go to topic two, Emma? Maybe I'll leave it up to Let's you to introduce this. this. This came from you. Yeah, this is more of my thing, definitely. Um, uh, so, yeah, Men's Fashion Week, uh, and particularly in Paris, was quite an interesting subject for us to talk about. So. In the latest Men's Fashion Week, we've noticed a slight shift um, in the fashion houses putting on a performance rather than just kind of showcasing the fashion. We've seen this progress over the years. You know, we've seen the likes of Alexander McQueen kind of spearhead this showcasing moment and making it more theatrical. Um, whereas, you know, obviously, traditionally, what you're doing is you're showing your clothing and your new collection. Um, but now it seems much more about this theatrical brand performance. Um, so we saw Dior showcase a dedication to Duncan Grant. Um, he's a famous artist that was often um, part of the inspiration for Kim Jones, the creative director. Uh, we saw Louis Vuitton brought a marching band um, to the runway um, in the heart of the Louvre uh, in honour of Virgil Abloh. Uh, and then, yeah, Rick Owens was uh, quite a dramatic um, performance and scene. Um, a two meter diameter flaming ball of burning orbs held from a crane, uh, swung throughout the runway and then dropped into the fountain as the models walked around. And these are just, these just, just kind of like tip of the iceberg of stuff. There was lots of, um, lots of lending to more uh, digital kind of focus. Uh, Louvre also did a kind of dystopian future focus show. They turned their runway into this kind of eerie white dead space. It made me think a lot of that exhibition actually that I spoke about in the last episode. Um, but they kind of implemented nature and animals um, and then exploited humankind. So they had all this stark background and the models had you know grass growing out of their shoes, out of their jackets. Um, they had these kind of television screens on their faces showing growth of different nature elements. Um, it was very eerie, very meta, uh, very digital inspired and um, quite an interesting dedication to the new collection. Um, 
Yeah, and then, I mean, you look at the likes of Givenchy, the, the, the models were walking on water and splashing around as they came down to the runway and, and around a huge um, kind of tank of milky-looking water. And I think this this ultimately brings up the the age-old question of whether fashion is art um, or performance or part of that theatre. So it's quite a, an interesting move. And brands now seem to be really implementing this art factor very hard into their performances. And it's quite nice to see the extreme competition and the one-upping and, and the more extreme um, mm-hmm. elements yeah, yeah. of uh, all of that. But I thought it was quite an interesting movement and particularly you and I working in brands to kind of understand Mm -hmm. and uh, see that within this industry I quite like it the technology the art elements the performance it's not just about clothes anymore and design and I I really I really love it Uh, I mean I totally agree and I you know I could have seen this coming in in a sense also if you look at what a lot of um uh, clothing brands let's take gucci for example right they've just released their collaboration with adidas right these mm. are these are shirts going for you know a, th- a thousand plus euros um but you see the likes of of of, of gucci and also uh, uh louis vuitton and and, and and dior right they're noticing that they need to shift their clothing to match the new audience that they're trying to attract Right. So the audience is changing. It's not that haute couture from way back where, you know, it's all about uh, it's all about cocktail dresses and uh, and, and, and smokings. Um, it's it's you know, it's a different audience that they're trying to attract now. That's in fashion. Right. The younger audience, a bit more streetwise audience, if you put it that way, are into these brands now. Right. Balenciaga and so forth. Um, so I think that shift of their fashion line is now being mirrored in how they present themselves right again previously it was all about that you know the editor of vogue and the you know the wealthy uh, uh the wealthy uh, uh mistress or the wealthy <laughs> wife of you know an oligarch who's going to buy the dress at front row that's all they wanted so what do they do you just show the clothing that they want to buy but what they're noticing is a lot of their audience aren't there a lot of the audience are global are looking from outside in um, and therefore also want to find a reason to connect with the brand. And the clothing is one, but the experience is the other thing, right? You also go to these stores that they have nowadays. It's turned into a totally different experience. It's not, again, a stark white uh, clothing store with all the clothes being lined up. It's an experience, the store itself. So I, you know, this makes sense to me because they're trying to attract to that audience, their new audience that is now going to buy their clothing. So I think... You know, it's also setting a, they're trying to also make clear and set a cultural movement, if you want to put it there, or cultural trend in what they do and, and also say, hey, we know what your culture is. So um, do I applaud it? I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. I think I, 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 I like that. I like when a, when a brand, be it a clothing brand or what other brand does more than just show their product, but also shows their values and shows their essence of their brand through different mediums than we're used to. Cause why? Cause that just makes it more surprising and engaging. Um, you know, it's citizen M it's also, you know, the challenge is how do you, how do you make that experience when you're walking through, you know, into our hotel or into our room, how do you visualize that in different forms? That's the best challenge. And if you can do that and get someone to experience that, that experience they have with the product, they go, Oh, that's the same feeling sentiment, right? It's all about emotion. And, uh, yeah, yeah so true. I think it's, I believe it's, I, I, I applaud it. I don't think it's weird in the sense that, you know, would I have sat down and watched a replay of just clothes walking down the runway? No. But would I watch <laughs> this? Yes. I think it's right. interesting as well, what you said about, um, you know, obviously now post pandemic, a lot of people are going to the shows, but we're also finding that a lot of people are watching it online and social media is more of a focus and mm-hmm. that kind of uh, video element that people see they're on or the, through the live stream. So anything they can do to really build a lot of anticipation around the next show um, for a digital audience or really implement um, some sort of shock tactics almost into what they're presenting is, um, is, yeah, it's definitely the way that they need to go. So that seems to be what's happening. But yeah. it, ma- it makes me think of like one of my favorite designers is Alexander McQueen. And 
Um, he's no longer with us, but um, some of the things that he did in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, he started to do this. You know, he took subjects that he felt really passionate about. So he, um, I think his a lot of his family are from Scotland originally. He's from London, but um, I think a few of his family and friends were from Scotland. Um, and there was at the time a lot of women being attacked and raped in the streets in Glasgow. Um, it seemed like a bit of a, almost like an epidemic of it. Um, so he created this collection called Highland Rape. Um, and the way that he presented it was through these women who walked up and down the runway like they'd been attacked. Um, and it was extremely difficult to watch. You know, they had um, blood over parts of their legs. They had most of the garments ripped in places where, you know, it looked like they'd been raped. It was quite an extreme um, showcase of a collection. But that obviously implemented the clothing as well as a main part of it, um, all in with the theme. But at the time, and this was in the 90s, that late 90s, people didn't really like it. They really thought this, like they used to say he's more of a, a theatre uh, performer and, and that's not what people come there for. And it's funny how the, the mind has shifted because even with this Rick Owens um, burning of the, I don't know what material it was, but it didn't look very environmentally friendly, um, you know, smoke everywhere going into the atmosphere. And it was huge on, on such a massive scale. Mm -hmm. People were applauding it. You know, people were saying how fantastic it was. And um, it's quite funny to see that shift from, yeah, Alexander McQueen making uh, all the journalists and the, the people viewing the show wait for, I think it was like hours and hours in front of a mirror for one of his other shows as well. It was like a mirrored box. Yep. Um, so they're staring at themselves. So the the whole message around this was, you know, look at yourself and what do you think about yourself? And it makes people quite uncomfortable to kind of stare at themselves, well, most people anyway, um, to stare at themselves for, I think it was, yeah, hours and hours on end. And people were getting yeah. really anxious and uncomfortable. And this was the time before phones, so no one was doing any selfies or anything like that. Um, and then the, the screen actually opened to... Uh, it's very hard to describe. Um, I'll share it on our socials so that I can actually give some sort of image reference to this properly. But it was uh, quite a um, an overweight woman laid with uh, different tubes and moths flying in this um, in this kind of strange cube that we've all been staring at but couldn't see into. And then the models started to walk around and it was about life and um, how we look into ourselves and decay. And it's a very artistic um, way of showcasing a collection. And that's something, yeah, the back then everyone was like, okay, this is fantastic artistry, but what about the clothes, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, as a brand, of course, people were excited. People talked about it, got fantastic PR. And then ultimately people wanted to be a part of it and bought into it. So Maybe that's an element of what these designers are trying to do now. You know, really oh, hard to get that experience, like you say. Yeah, and I think you know their clothing is now available for a larger audience, you could say. Um, and I always have to think back to, um, you know, when I was working. I used to work for Kettle One at Diageo, and that was, you know, experience was maybe at the forefront of how we showed the brand, right? Because again. We could have also just said, here's the bottle with a transparent liquid in it. There you go. <clears throat> but that wasn't what it was about. It was about how can we take that experience when you're drinking Kettle One and what is that experience about? And, you know, with the bartender's world. So, so you know, my role was really about, you know, what are these experiences, these physical experiences? So, you know, uh, flying people over for King's Day to experience, you know, because Kettle One was very much about being Dutch and the Dutch brand. So flying, you know, people over for King's Day and having them experience the Kettle One way. But also when we present certain things and we work with bartenders to create amazing cocktails, right? That's part of the experience. So it's something that, you know, some some industries have been doing. And I think, you know, I think the fashion industry is moving. And like I said, I really believe it has to do with the uh, the times we're in now. And, and like you're saying, you're seeing a lot of these high-end fashion brands that would never dare to collaborate with Adidas. Now collaborating with Adidas and being applauded and being, you know, beautiful collections. I saw it personally. I saw the the um, the Gucci Adidas um, uh, 
collabo and i think it's just an amazing it was beautiful 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 pieces and you know it's just and it's accessible it's just in the store i can touch it feel it was previously it just felt so distant you know so yeah, i think that these true. experiences are just part of that and i think you're buying you know so as a consumer you're buying also into the experience of gucci let's say and and, and all that and i think virgil virgil abloh was also one of the first to do that i think louis vuitton has done a great job but also it's generations right so within these fashion houses new creative directors are coming with, with from other generations and with other experiences that they're bringing forward and for them it was you know they're they're from our generation you know they're they're maybe the you know the mtv generation right so so, so don't forget our generation is also the generation our generation and, and generation one or two before us where you know music video was all what it was about you know it, mtv was mm, really a mirror yeah. of the generation where it was about how can you experience the music than just listening to it, right? That's when the music video really grew. And now MTV is a totally different concept. It doesn't work because of likes like Spotify and YouTube coming up. But, you know, I'm curious, what's going to happen in 10 years when, you know, let's say my daughter becomes, you know, the creative director of Louis Vuitton. I'm curious how that show is going to be like. Is it going to be full metaverse roadblocks and no one's there i don't know is, is is that her reality that she's then going to give a sauce onto you know the creative direction of louis vuitton and i'm very curious about that and, and would love to see you know and i think it is that as well i think it's the experience of the generation that also shape the experience of the brand that they're representing right yeah that's so true it's interesting what you say about these partnerships as well like when I think about a lot of the different luxury brands that I've worked for in, in branding or in communications, um, one of the things that if the company itself was kind of struggling to really or going through a rebrand or, um, you know, a, a point where it really needed to make a bit of money and impact business wise to keep going, um, we would often find ourselves doing a partnership launching a perfume because a perfume can be a lot more affordable for a different set of audience. And, you know, like you say about the Adidas collab, it brings in new people to have a, a piece of Gucci that, that wouldn't necessarily have had something like that before. Okay, it's still extremely expensive, I'm sure, but it definitely brings in a new um, interest and a new, a new fan base and a, a little bit of a, a kind of side eye to this Gucci side of things that wouldn't necessarily be there otherwise. It's, it's something that we did at La Perla really well. Um, and we launched a perfume um, that actually got discontinued. I can't remember why, um, but whenever I was in the store doing appointments or shopping myself, um, people would come in and ask consistently for this perfume because it just brought in the masses and this kind of beauty and and then naturally what you say as well but the experience element you know these are products byproducts of a brand that can give you that experience yourself in in a certain part so it's quite interesting um i mean the famous like one this. is yeah and the famous one is also the chanel lipstick right yeah exactly so i think great you know, example. More, yeah. more women own the chanel lipstick than a chanel bag but it's the same feeling you get of owning a Chanel, right? And I think, you know, I don't know if it's still true, but, you know, at one point you you would read that Chanel made more money off lipstick than the bags, you know? Definitely, um, yeah, and, I'm and, sure. and I think that that's, you know, I think it's about that experience of the brand. And I think now people, you know, these uh, creative directors of these studios are, are, are seeing it more than, okay, you have these collab and these special products, but now let's make that experience of visualizing this brand. Right. So how do you visualize Louis Vuitton? How do you visualize Gucci? How do you Rick Owens? How do you visual, visualize all this um, to, again, also bring the brand essence to life? I think that that's also important and that also ties people in. Right. Again, the consumer of nowadays now, because there's so much product out there, the consumers are less and less loyal than they used to be. Um, so, you know, I think it's about also um connecting with the subconscious the emotion of the consumer to make them really be more loyal than just you know because right now i can you know you're always going to get a better deal somewhere else you know you always you know there's so much because the internet has opened up people being able to find product all over the world for different prices same kind of product how can you connect you know uh, emotionally to your to, to your consumers i think that that's the core of you know building a brand so yes People always book a room 
but how do you ensure that they fall in love with the brand? And I think, you know, I think Citizen does a great job in doing that in our spaces and also, you know, in, in our social channels. Um, yeah, I didn't and- realize actually until I worked at Citizen M, all the elements of hospitality, of course, is exper- like it's all about the experience, but, you know, the scent that is put into the mm-hmm. hotel rooms, the music is very sensory. Like it's, yeah. um, of course, and that makes sense. It sounds silly that I'm saying it. Of course, that's what you're paying for. But it's very interesting, all the tiny, intricate details, and particularly how we do things with local artists and exactly. the way we decorate our rooms and the people that we hire. Like There's a, a thread of Citizen M throughout every single aspect of what your senses might touch as soon as you walk in the door, you know? So it's, it, yeah, I like that. It's, it's very similar in um in reference to to this story as well in some ways yeah yeah 100 percent. it's purely about building a brand and 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 what they're doing in the fashion world i i again i uh i'm fully in favor of this shift because you are going to get more eyes on your brand it is a smart move to do more than just say oh here are the clothes by the way that almost 90 percent of you cannot afford uh uh tell me how you like something you can't afford versus hey Here's the brand experience that we are. Are you connected to us as a human being? Are you someone, you know, it's the same as I always, I always liken it to when I was a kid and I had a Lamborghini poster of a Lamborghini on my, on my wall, right? Could I afford it back then? No. Can I afford it now? No. Will I ever be able to afford it? Probably not. Yes. But I have any, but, <laughs> yes. But I have, <laughs> hey, 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 fingers crossed. But I have that emotion, but I have that emotional bond with that brand, right? So as a kid, you know, that poster was also a form of branding, you know, that you can put up those, you know, you, you, you kind of connected with a certain design and look. And, 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 and that is something that I believe brands need to do more and more and more is find that emotional connection with the audience and not just the transactional connection because transactional is great, but if you want to rope them in for loyalty and for longer, you have to ensure that there's that emotional connection with them. And that is really, you know, at the essence of what makes a brand an amazing brand, you know, we'll go, we'll talk about it at the end, but one brand that does that fantastically is Apple, right? The moment you walk into their store, the 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 experience on the website, uh, the experience when you're when 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 your computer you know loads up, you know I think that was key to what Steve Jobs did back then was about what is the experience for the user, right? How can we connect them emotion, make them feel you know, give them a smile on their face when they hear when they hear the bong, you know that yeah, you know, it, it, yeah. It could, they could have just chosen a really crappy little tune going bing. But they chose bang to make it like a like an orchestra playing to say you are welcome, and that for me is just you know where Apple has you know gone above and beyond, and 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 you know and and as time grows, they, you know they challenge themselves to ensure that they keep that spirit alive that Steve Jobs has put forward, and you know and then and, and and that's amazing. So yeah, I think yeah no, I think it's great. So for me, it's definitely a a must do and a must do better next time. So. Uh, yeah. That's it. yeah, they make it quite engaging as well, like the way that they put it onto social. And um, of course, like we said, it's, it's very much about that digital side of things for it. But um, yeah, I love how they make it quite engaging. It's, it's definitely something that I'm always looking to engage with myself. So yeah, naturally, obviously, social allows that. So it's like almost like your Instagram is the digital version of putting a poster on your wall if you're going to share something. And then your audience get to see it, not just people that come over to your house. So it's exactly. um, very interesting exactly. uh, side of it. That yeah, exactly. love it. Cool. <laughs> well, we're going to move from an experience in the real world and half, you know, in the digital world to the whole digital world. I think you know this is something that's nice to share. Is 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 that also um, you know last week we heard about Meta, Microsoft. Uh, Unity, Epic Games, Sony, and others joining forces to build a metaverse standards form that aims to make it easier for developers to build across platforms. Being open to any organization at no cost, the form will focus on pragmatic action-based projects such as implementation prototyping, hackathons, plugfest, and open source tooling to accelerate the testing and adoption of metaverse standards while also developing, developing consistent terminology and deployment guidelines. Oh my God, what is this all about? <laughs> I mean, wow. 
I mean, for me, you know, for me, it, it's really about if you go back to last year when, you know, or was it a year before that when, when Mr. Zuckerberg, uh, you know, presented, we're now called meta and we're going into the metaverse and here's my avatar and look at me in this funky space. This is where the world's <laughs> heading to. And then all of a sudden metaverse became a, you know, a, a, a word for everybody to use in every sentence that they say. Um, even though, and, you know, I've talked about it previously, the metaverse has been here for years, you know, with the likes of Roblox and, 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 you know, you hear other people saying, you know, your ear pods are from a metaverse. Um, <laughs> but I think because of that kind of opening up this metaverse, if you were to put that in quotations, uh, uh to the general public, what's happened is there's kind of been a rush on what metaverse is. Everyone has their own definition. Uh, there's no clarity on it. There are gaming platforms that all of a sudden say we're the real metaverse, i.e. Sandbox and Decentraland, while it's just a gaming platform, you know, so there is very, there's no very, or how do you say it, there's not a real central understanding to what the metaverse is, right? Like I would say a car, we all know what a car needs to be, right? But if you say metaverse, everyone has their own definition to what that is. There's no clarity on that. So I think that for me, this is a great step by these companies that they've actually uh, noticed that this is happening. Um, I think the terminology is very important. And, you know, I think also, uh, you know, it's also about connecting, you know, where, what was that promise that Mark Zuckerberg gave us when he presented this was the metaverse is for everyone. You can go anywhere and everywhere right now. It's still just very singular. Oh, I'm going to log into sandbox. I'm going to log into Decentraland. I'm going to log into Roblox. I'm going to log into, my Facebook. So all these metaverses, if you put it that way, are all separated, non-connected and competing for attention, right? What is the ultimate metaverse? Where basically metaverse is not necessarily those platforms, but actually where you can travel between different entities, if you were to say, of these platforms and actually also be applicable to your everyday business, right? Could we, you know, could we meet in the metaverse and record this podcast in a online studio you know we're doing that now for example but it will become more where people can come in and watch us you know present you know that that i believe what it is and you know you had you know sandbox and decentraland roblox uh you know with celebrities like Stoop dog and paris hilton and heinekenburi <laughs> opening up there and now time has partnered with sandbox to build Times square again it's very very how'd you say uh uh, fragmented at the moment. And I think that hopefully this standard form will, you know, could make it clear what the metaverse is, define it, make it accessible, you know, the mainstream for businesses and other industries, and not just, in my view, an expensive land buying gaming platform, which a lot of these so-called metaverses are right now. Exactly. I agree. I think there, there seems to be a lot of freedom around it as well. It's a new thing too. I imagine there are a lot of brands that are thinking, how can we do things differently? Um, how can we expand? How can we best use this to our advantage? And obviously there needs to be standards around that. Um, it's quite interesting that this tact has been taken um, with, with all of that in mind. And it is very important to understand what you're getting yourself into. Um, but the standards around it is uh, is very, very necessary as well. Um, but yeah, what do you think from a Citizen M terms of things? Because I know that we're quite focused on yeah. all of this I mean, stuff. What, you know, what does this mean for us? Well, it's something <laughs> we, we looked at. And I think, you know, and I think, mm. you know, the whole metaverse, because it's such a, if you were to put in quotations, hype at the moment, it's moving so fast, things are changing. Um that I think, you know, we now want to take kind of a, a, a breather and really look at it and see what happens here. I think this metaverse standard will help, if not, um, you know, will help us more in what we're trying to uh, achieve. You know, introducing the brand to new audiences is in the end what we're trying to achieve and make it more available. Yeah, exactly. And I, I can imagine the it will be quite an interesting push of boundaries for some places and some brands as well to really understand this. I think it will be quite uh, quite the thing to to get involved in. Yeah, I think you know, and and that's that's and and also another thing which I think is important about this standard and especially for the metaverse because it's becoming such a huge thing is also when it comes to you know standards for gamers, right? 
you know, you're hearing, you know, you have sort of the dark web where there are no rules and, and, you know, and, 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 and these other, um, and these other, um, you know, chat forms. And I think with the metaverse, I think what's not only needed is a way to make sure that all industries and companies have a standard that they can all connect together and create this one huge world, let's say. I think it's also about what, what are the standard practices in this world, right? You know, in the real life, we have laws, you know, we have laws that basically protect everyone and protect everyone's rights, right? So you can't just go around shooting people or, you know, or, or sexually abusing people and so forth. Um, and also, you know, talk, you know, being, you know, giving, uh, how do you say being, you know, people are racist, but you, you know, you're also held back from being, you know, defamatory and, and so forth. Um, I think that that's needed in this new world, right? You're seeing a lot of online platforms and games where people feel the need or have, you know, I think I was reading about Roblox. I was reading an article a while back, which did concern me. And that's why I kind of look over the shoulder of my, of my daughter that, you know, someone was basically building the third Reich on Roblox, you know, very much a, you know, a, 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 a uh, how do you say a, a right winged kind of world and, they would meet oh, wow. there and that's, you know, and just be very, very talking about those things. And, um, you know, I think Roblox actually, you know, went in and said that's not part of the standards and actually, you know, uh, closed it down. And I think that's what we need also from the metaverse standard is also what is allowed and what is not allowed. What are the rules and the and the laws in the metaverse world that we can all sign up to be? And if you want to be part of this overarching world you have to sign up into these laws the same as you know countries who want to join the eu need to sign up into certain laws all around you know all around you know um how'd you say uh, um you know trafficking and so forth and you know i think that that is something that needs to be put in the metaverse standard and i think that would be only good and i think it's good they're doing it now that it's such a how'd you say such a such an infant at its infant stage let's get it down mm -hmm. now before it gets out of control so I yeah, do applaud and them and yeah, you know. I think like, you know, children are obviously going to learn about the metaverse. I wonder at what stage it will actually become something within the curriculum or that they'll be going to school and kind of uh, within the metaverse. It's quite a Well, what it did, <laughs> what, what, the, what, what the pandemic did prove is that you know, yeah, um, metaverse we, at home. Well, teaching. you know, for, <laughs> well, for business, that's the thing. It was quite funny. So for us to move and work from home was very easy. We had the tools that were produced by Google and so forth. And we had, you know, all these, you know, we use Google at Citizen M. So it was easy to share documents and work on documents, at the, you know, work on presentations together. It was, it was so easy for that shift. When I look at my daughters, when they were, were when, when they were forced to school from home, the school was like, what the? do we do what the fuck do we do it's just you know they it, um they they you know all of a sudden they're all making online you know each student was getting an online account and then it was oh but you have to come to school to get these books so it's so not their schooling was so not ready to educate digitally that it actually in my view impacted their learning capabilities actually put them back a few months you know that or, a few, or a year or so you, you sure, notice that yeah. a lot of kids had difficulty learning so I think that, you know, the pandemic proved and I hope the school has learned to think about, OK, how can we transition, you know, uh, um, on, you know, in one day from being a physical uh, a tool to being a digital tool as well? Or shall we implement digital learning in our day to day? Right. I think that that is for me, um, uh, hopefully what the metaverse can also support. Like I said, right now, metaverse is just all these blocky game platforms. Great where you spend money and buy new shoes. Fantastic. That is, that's nice to do if you enjoy that. But I believe metaverse where metaverse will make a big change is if it's, you know, goes into businesses and industries and education and services where it supports that and supports, you know, think about uh, older adults, elderly people that are not so mobile. Can the metaverse be a place for them to connect with others? Can it be a metaverse where they don't have to go to, you know, have to go to a doctor and the doctor can then, you know, uh, you know, read everything that they, you know, that's what the metaverse, I believe, where the potential metaverse is, is how do you make sure people stay connected and connected, not mm -hmm. only like this, how we're doing uh, online, having a talk, but also, you know, with, uh, with, with other devices to read your, you know, your health and where you're at. So I think that's the potential yeah. in my view. 
Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of standards around that as uh, you know, as as something that helps people and and only does so. Yeah, it's a very um, yeah, it's it's a very a very new subject, but also yep. something that can that can shift around. And I, like you say, I'm really glad that there are these standards being put around it. Um, mm-hmm. And for the more value around what the metaverse can truly do for society versus this kind of gaming side of it. Um, yep. It seems to be the first kind of step in properly. Um, exactly. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Um, so going from metaverse to the ultimate metaverse brand, it's funny actually in that. <laughs> so, so looking at that list of those in metaverse, you know, meta, Microsoft, Epic Games, Sony, I am missing one brand in there and that's Apple. Right. Mm, because there's one brand yeah. that, yeah, you know, I think, you know, they, they are very much hardware, but also very software. So I'm curious, you know, have they, uh, why are they not part of this uh, standardization? But, but maybe we, we might hear, maybe they're busy with their own metaverse and want to compete against everyone else's. We'll see. I think something's coming. Definitely. Something, something's coming. We've, we've seen, we've seen their presentations. So <laughs> we know that the Apple's worldwide developers conference was held earlier this month. And it was jam-packed with announcements, you know, and, and a new iPhone lock screen to new iMacs with the new chip, you know, the M2 chip and revamped multitasking interface on iPad. So after that, a lot of rumors have been swirling around the internet of possible new products to be released uh, this fall and uh, first half of 2023. So people are saying that the company is about to embark on one of its most ambitious periods of new products in its history. Rumored products uh, right now will include four iPhone 14 models. Well, we're already at number 14. Three wow. <laughs> new Apple Watch variants. So uh, I just bought this one. So time to trade this one in for the new one again, I guess. Uh, several Macs with M2 and M3 chips. The company's first mixed reality uh, a mixed reality headset. There you go. That's the metaverse, maybe. Yeah, low exactly. End... <laughs> yeah. exactly. Low-end and high-end iPads, updated AirPod Pro, a fresh HomePod, and upgraded Apple TVs. There's so much coming from them. Uh, so very simple question, Emma. Which product, which product are you looking forward to most in that list? And what is the one product that I haven't mentioned that you want Apple to Ooh. release? Um, the HomePod for me is the thing. I um, I have everything at the moment in my home on the Google Home. Um, we have the doorbell. We have all the speakers set up. We have our Nest, Google Nest around. We have our Wi-Fi connectors. Everything in our home is, uh, is very much based on this kind of Google Home app that we have, our heating, everything. Um, so I'd be really interested to see how a HomePod could rival that um and like the, the apple tv I've, I've said before it's something that i never really get into it's i've never really got into apple tv but i think that's because i'm so used to using the other subscriptions um so yeah so some kind of upgraded new versions of that is always a good thing i think i'm a bit of a home person at the moment and less <laughs> of a like technology traveling person <laughs> by the signs of it um and what products am i looking forward to i mean I mean, what is, so you know what Apple all has. So what's the one product, a coffee machine? What is that one product that you say, if Apple were to bring that out, I'm going to run to the store and get it. Is it an Apple Ooh. coffee machine, Apple car, Apple, well, they already have headphones. So you'd say a Apple. car would be, inter- a car would be interesting. I've um, actually thinking about it, um, an electric bike. I think electric I would be bike. into That's that. That's a good one, actually. That's yeah. a good one. I would be into that. I recently, um, a couple of months ago, bought a cowboy bike Mm -hmm. and I love it because it's very much linked to my phone. Um, So I unlock it with my phone. It's Bluetooth. Um, If I have an accident, it sends a message and lets my next of kin know the location Mm -hmm. where I am. It's it's very good with this connection with my iPhone. Um, But I would love to see a a really implemented Apple Apple version of that. That is yeah. a good one. Hey, can I ask one question? Why did you buy a cowboy instead of a Van Moof? Oh, right. Okay. So I'm, I'm very I, curious because, yeah. because, because Van Moof is, you know, is kind of set the stage for these kind of bikes. And then cowboy came. I have not looked into it. So I can't, you know, I haven't looked in it from a buyer's perspective <laughs> right now. So I'm very curious why your choice for Van Moof, uh, for cowboy over Van Moof. 
So there are a lot of things that are quite personal to me that won't necessarily adhere to everyone. Um, one of those things is I am five foot three, which is, I think, about 160 centimetres tall. Um, and the even the smallest van mouth, um, I when I stop on it stagnant, I'm tipping sideways to try and mm -hmm. stand up and keep myself on the seat. Um, even at the lowest rate. So the sizing for me immediately physically was a problem, but could have been doable. Um, the other thing is at the time, I don't know if they've changed this since, but the actual bike itself to charge it, you have to take it all the way upstairs, the entire bike. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I live on the third and fourth floor um, and a narrow Amsterdam stairway. So that would have been an absolute nightmare. Mm -hmm. And then I'd also heard from a lot of friends um, that, their van moves break down quite a lot and that even though they have the service that gives them the repairs um you know it take a lot of time as well i heard their service was not that great a lot exactly. of people were complaining about that yeah i've heard this too and even when i went to go for a test drive on a van mouth um mm -hmm. i didn't have a great experience you know i was waiting around for ages not that that would stop me or i think that i should be served incredibly well when I walk into somewhere more than anyone but um it was quite hectic it didn't feel very uh, well experience wise right like we were talking yeah, about it wasn't exactly great as a it wasn't customer. it wasn't the apple store experience I mean I'm mm. when I when I go into the apple store you get help straight away so what I love what apple do fantastic and how they bypass this whole feeling of oh you know crap I'm waiting so long the experience is crap they have people that are just standing there to speak Anyone comes in, let's ask you things. Oh, a person will be with you in the next so many minutes. Please sit over there. Immediately, that whole stress of or that whole annoyance of waiting is alleviated. Yeah, I love that about Apple. Of people I love, there. and there's so you know that's something Vamov could have easily picked up and done. Is basically who is that host? Let's call them the host right now of the store. That alleviates that frustration, and you know, and let's say you're you don't have time, then with this host, you could set a fixed time that you'll come back or whatever. Absolutely. You know, and that is that is yeah. something that, you know, it's it's a shame because I've I've heard the same things about Vamov. I think they're a fantastic, you know, I think they were at the forefront of the electric bicycle uh, um, industry, let's say. Uh, I, you know, I think their branding is great. I think they've done really well. Mm. You see, do you do see a shift of their of, of their whole kind of setup where they're now focused a bit more on the transaction and selling of the bikes? They, you know, the latest CMO has come from Booking.com says a bit says a bit when it comes to that um mm. you know where i think you know they really had targets set for global and they saw the other expansion during the uh, during the pandemic that now is stagnating and now they have those targets which they need to reach right now unfortunately uh, so i think that that's being you know that's being that pressure that's adding to their um to their thing but a apple bike what would the apple bike have or be that's different to your cowboy I mean, I'm in love with my cowboy, so I don't know what more it could give. I mean, honestly, there is, I, I'm like the biggest PR for cowboy. I absolutely love it. Everything, the integration in my phone is so key. Like I, you know, I, I have one of those um, click locks on the front that's like built into yep. my bike. I click my um my phone in it immediately picks up where I am tells me what the weather is going to be like um mm -hmm. tells me how many kilometers I have left on my electric charge tells me the best routes if there's an accident kind of very up-to-date map side of things um it's even like quite friendly there's people on there waiting as customer service if something goes wrong with your bike or if you want to ask them something they're live on there um yeah and I've only had to use them once and it was so snappy, so quick. I think cool. it's nice. a Belgian brand as well. Um, yep. Everything in the bike is actually built um, by themselves. I think other than one thing, which I think might be the chain. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's all built by themselves. All the pieces are entirely created by them. But cool. less about my bike and more about yours. <laughs> well, <laughs> more about, about your product. <laughs> um, look, I think... You know, the iPhones, the Macs, the, the, the mm. AirPods, I think, you know, those are all just refreshers of of what there is. Um, again, I think the home, exactly to your point, I think the home is where a lot of companies can still make a splash. I think post-pandemic as well. I right? think if Apple finds a way, and this is this is dreaming, to release a home pod that connects with, you know, Google and, and Amazon. And, you know, I think that that's the issue right now is you need to stick to, like you said, your whole house is Google. 
So therefore you can't have any Alexa products. So you need to choose. Um, that for me would be, I, I think that you can kind of bypass it, but it's not that easy, let's say. So I think if Apple can fix that and make it that, you know, this Apple HomePod or Apple Home products, you know, connects with all your other devices, that'd be fantastic. Maybe it does. Hey, anybody listening who 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 says I'm wrong, please let me know because I just maybe haven't done the research on that. Um, Apple TV, all I like it for is Ted Lasso. Amazing, amazing <laughs> series. I need to um, watch that. It's like an American uh, it's, English It's, it's, fanta- thing, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. So I think if you were to ask me, what am I looking forward to? I wouldn't necessarily say the, I, I guess if we're talking hardware, Apple TV, but I think I'm actually more interested in the Apple TV software, kind of where are they going to go with that, you know, with their TV and, their, and, and stuff they're producing. Um, but what would be an ultimate, it's funny, I actually posed this question and I think you probably stole the bike from that I originally <laughs> had in my head. So I, of course, can't come with, I can't come with a bike either. Um, and you're the cyclist. I mean, I'm, I'm on an electric bike. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm would, the easy option on that. What would be the ultimate Apple product for my home? Um, what about the Apple wine fridge? Ooh. And what would it do? What would it do then? I don't know. It would, I just put in a bottle, it scan it and it can tell me things about it. Can, you know, and I can get it at the right temperature, temperature. And I can, you know, so I have this huge fridge and I'm like, oh, today I'm eating salmon with asparagus. I don't know, whatever. And (laughs) and, and my fridge says, you know what, this bottle you have is the best option that you have right now for, you know, eating, drinking with this. And then I can move to, you know, my friends and I can just repeat what I heard and just, you know, it sounds as if yeah. I'm such a connoisseur. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know. Or it kind of scans your face and looks like you my- had a really hard day today. Your screen time is up. You need a bottle of wine. Or, and then yeah. it would give you data. Your your wine time was up more by 80% last week. Or like, it was your, it's your exactly. birthday coming up. You need to order a new bottle. Exactly. So that for me is uh, maybe the wine fridge being, you know, such a such a champagne fridge. Maybe that would have been perfect. It's nice. Uh, that's a positive think, you know, one. And I think the Apple car, of course, you know, people have been talking about that, that that's coming and that's coming, you know, self-driving Apple car. I think, yeah, is that really the case? I mean, I, I, I don't know, but it would be nice if they did that together with another brand, created something unique there. I was thinking um, they, they have so many markets they could go into Apple. Like at the moment, a lot of what they do is very mass, isn't it? iPhone, mm-hmm. AirPods, everyone can use them. But having my nephew here, I was thinking earlier, like my um, my sister-in-law has so many different um, gadgets and different things that she has to use. And, you know, she has these apps to monitor um, breastfeeding, times that the baby's sleeping, when it wakes up, when they've had a feed and all these kind of um, data-driven technology pieces around motherhood um, could be a great um, market yeah. for Apple to really get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really could. There's so many yeah, things, true. baby monitors, all, healthcare. all that kind of stuff. Healthcare, yeah, healthcare. all this stuff. I think right now, you know, Philips, you know, Philips made a move to focus on healthcare. And I think maybe that's something that Apple can really get into. Like I said, you know, for, for, for monitoring health and so forth. True, you know, you have the Apple Watch and maybe there's so much more to do with it. So healthcare could be possibly also with the you know with the aging of of the demographic right so everyone's getting older longer um maybe that healthcare is maybe where apple yeah i think that's it i think it's in healthcare industry where apple might be able to make a bigger splash uh, because yeah it's, it's it's such a trusted brand right so so who would you choose and it connects with everything you have you know and that's what's amazing about it mm. Yeah, Ooh, opportunity perfect. strikes. Love it. So, bikes, cars, uh, wine fridges, and healthcare—the four <laughs> most important things to us. <laughs> I just coughed. Then at that point, yeah, I definitely need uh, <laughs> need some healthcare. Gosh, that's oh, fantastic! <laughs> oh, cool. Now, thank you, Emma. We will send a note to uh, Apple with our new thoughts on the products they should release for next year. Let's see what of that. Uh, you know, I'm still on. I'm still on a winning streak when it comes to predictions here. So. So oh, you'll yeah. see. Well, you'll see it's definitely going to be the wine fridge, isn't it? <laughs> I can feel fridge. it coming. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. No, perfect. 
Um, thanks, Emma. Another week, another thank bunch you. of topics, another nice conversation. So Super. thank you very much. And uh, yeah, and thanks everyone for listening. And uh, we will speak next week. We are doing our episode a bit earlier in the week on uh, Sunday uh next week so we will we will probably release the next episode a bit earlier than expected thanks a lot thank you thanks bye